I mean, everything starts with content, right? And in order to create content, you got to know what you're talking about and have some substance behind what you're sharing. So for me, it was just Twitter building in public. That's a huge thing there now, right? I didn't even know that term until two months ago. So that's basically what I was doing on LinkedIn. I was getting clients. I was building in public and sharing what was working on LinkedIn and what wasn't working. And the same thing with cold emails. And I think in 2018, later in the year, I created my first info product. It was called the Beast Mode Prospecting Guide. And it was how we use cold email and LinkedIn to generate leads and appointments. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talked to Sean Anthony. Sean started a successful LinkedIn lead agency in 2018. He mastered the agency work and created a product out of everything he learned from his lead gen business and sold that product many times over. In 2020, he started a YouTube channel and just reached about 15,000 subs. In this episode, you'll learn how to create a successful info product and how to grow your YouTube audience even in competitive markets. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hey Sean, a lot of people know you from uh, YouTube. Give us a little bit of your backstory and why you started your YouTube channel. Yeah, so back in 2015, I think it was, I was working as a project manager, corporate job. And during that job, I was learning about online business models, everything from affiliate marketing to e-com, Amazon FBA, running an agency. And the first business I ever started was doing SEO for other local businesses. Got a couple clients that way. And then also on the side, I was working on an e-commerce store. So in 2016, I grew that e-commerce store to the seven-figure plus level in sales, was able to quit my nine-to-five and went full-time into online business and entrepreneurship. From there, that's actually when I started my YouTube channel, like the version 1.0. I started making videos around e-com and I had a membership group at that time helping people grow their own e-commerce store. And in 2017... I got cocky. I tried to start a supplement business with a custom-made supplement. I lost like 130k on just inventory and paid advertising and joining these mastermind groups that didn't work out for me. And so, t- end of 2017, I ended up closing down my the supplement business. I also closed down my YouTube channel. I took off all the videos and around ecom and started to focus again on. I really needed cash flow, so I went and started a lead generation agency around cold emailing, LinkedIn lead generation, grew that up to a decent amount. And that was in 2018, beginning of 2018, I started that and did that until 2020. So from 2018 to 2020, I was running a lead gen agency. We're working with mainly tech companies and marketing and advertising agencies. And then 2020, I started getting back into YouTube content. I started sharing what I knew. I created a few info products, like some eBooks and some lower ticket courses started growing that under a new company called Productized Profits. Yeah, now here we are. I've been working on growing my YouTube channel for about a year and a half now and just started on Twitter a couple months ago. And the goal is to really scale up the info products and the coaching and consulting side of my business. Interesting. And so one of your first videos, I guess, your new version videos is how to start a dropship servicing business. Why did you choose that? Because it's not a dropshipping business, but it's a little bit different. Why did you choose that? Yeah. So when I first started my YouTube channel back in 2017, I noticed like the way that videos would really pop off was picking really hot trending topics. At the time, it was dropshipping, right? Everybody was getting into it. Everybody wanted to start a dropshipping store. And when I started up again, I was running my agency. So I was offering services to other businesses. 
And the way that I was doing it was I had a team of VAs and I had a software where I was basically using that to help me deliver the service and I would mark up the price. And just like timing, I guess, I saw somebody post a video about something called drop servicing. It was actually a YouTube ad. And I saw that ad and I was like, this is a great hook to use around instead of just talking about an agency, spinning that hook into this drop servicing business, which is basically what I was doing, outsourcing the work. So I created a video around that and it just took off. I think we have like 80,000 or something views on it now. So that started taking off. I said, okay, we have something here. Let's create more videos around drop servicing and getting clients and lead generation. All those videos started getting traction. And I just started going deeper down the rabbit hole based off of the trends that were working and the keywords that were getting views for us. Wow. And back then you started at zero subs again. And that video you created that just went, well, maybe not viral, but it really went well. Yeah. So when I restarted the channel, I think we had about 3,100 subscribers on it. And these were just people that were interested in dropshipping stuff, e-commerce stuff. So when I restarted the channel, I didn't expect it to take off. But I guess a lot of people who were in the dropshipping space were like, oh, drop servicing, this makes sense, but for services instead of e-com products. So I guess a lot of my existing audience and that 3K subscribers were also interested in that. And yeah, I just went on the back of those initial videos and just started creating more based off of what was hitting on the YouTube algorithm and what was taking off in terms of views. And you post like, I guess, one or two videos a week. Why did you choose that you know, sequence? Yeah, so I actually started off just, I did two videos a week and then I went back down to one. It takes a lot of time to film and edit and plan videos. So yeah, it takes a lot of time. I was doing two at first back in 2020 when I relaunched it. It was taking a lot of time. So I thought maybe we could take it down to one. And I did see some kind of drop off in the amount of views and subscribers I was getting. So we went back to two again. And I found two to be like the perfect sweet spot between the amount of time it takes and the traction that you get with a YouTube channel and views and subscribers when you're posting at that frequency. So two times a week, I found, uh, and I've only tested between one and two, but I found two to work really well in terms of just having a consistent increase in your views and subscribers. Interesting. And when I look at your videos, I see a lot of topics that I've seen like a million times. That's just, I guess popular topics, but I'm still wondering how can, you know, somebody still get views on that while other people also talk about that a lot, maybe with a lot more subscribers. The best way to do it in the beginning with your first few videos is to find a niche or keywords that are already hot on YouTube and then try to find your way to put your own spin on it. So for me, that was, I saw agency stuff. SMMA was really, really hot at the time. And I thought, how could I make this my own? So I made a video on drop servicing instead of just agency stuff. And that took off. That kind of made me a little different than all the other people posting videos. And from there, people start to get into your content and you can go more into these more competitive topics and keywords, right? So from there, you, you might see like the progression of my videos. There's a lot of drop servicing stuff. And then I started going into just basic client acquisition things, you know, LinkedIn lead generation, cold emailing, how to write those, how to send those. So I started off with a hook that made me different. That helped me to build up that initial audience. And then I leveraged that audience to go into more deeper and competitive topics from there. And how did you like do research on finding like the hot topics that weren't saturated yet? So I use a tool called vidIQ. I don't know if you've heard of it. There's a couple different ones out there. vidIQ is one of them. TubeBuddy is another. vidIQ, what I look for is they have this keyword analysis tool. And I look for, there's a keyword score along with it and it measures between the competition and the search volume and it, it pops out a score for you. 
So I was looking for anything with like a 60 to 65 or higher. And drop servicing at the time was like an 80 or something. So it was just coming up. There was low competition, but higher volume. And that's the sweet spot I found. I think 65 or higher on the VidIQ keyword score gives you that balance of competition and search volume. And so like there's a, a whole, how do you say that, like technique and how to create your um, thumbnails. Did you experiment with them? How did you come up with, you have like, you haven't really changed it a lot, but maybe, you know, that's also because it works very well. Can you run us through that a little bit? Yeah. I don't know if you know who Alex Becker is. No. Yeah. YouTuber in the internet marketing space, very <laughs> awesome videos. And he had a course a couple years ago on YouTube channels and he has 600 or so thousand subscribers now. And in his course, he just had this very like three minute video, very short video on how to create his thumbnails. And it was basically put this black box on the left hand side with some text and put like your face on the right hand side. And that's just basically all I've been doing. There's really no rhyme or reason behind it other than that I took that course a couple years ago and it's worked for me. I just kept doing it. I could probably hire someone to do those better, but right now I do it in Canva. Takes me about two minutes to do it and I just use that. So yeah, I'm probably not the thumbnail guy to go to, but that's my methodology behind it. Probably, you know, it works. People read, is this video for me? And then do I like this person? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. The other thing is I get a lot of comments of people who like my videos because I'm like really to the point, no BS, just like straight to the point. I don't really have a ton of hype behind my videos, which I guess a lot of people find refreshing compared to internet marketing videos out there. So I try to keep it simple with the editing. I try to keep it simple. I try to keep the thumbnails simple. The flow of the video is really simple. And I, I guess that's just my brand, but it makes my life a lot easier too. Cool. And let's say you're starting out right now on a new YouTube channel. What would you you know, advise people to do? It's really tough. I don't consider myself a YouTube expert. What I would do is, first off, you need something to really talk about. There needs to be substance behind what you're doing. So if you don't have like a hobby or a skill or something around that, you should at least try to pick it up and you can document your journey. But there's an overlap between something you're interested in and what the audience wants to see. So if you can find that overlap, and I don't have like an exact science for that, but a balance between what the audience wants to see, where there's search volume and, and a lot of traffic on YouTube with something that you are either learning, like a new skill or a hobby or something that you're already good at, when you can find the balance between those two, that's what I'd start a YouTube channel around. If you don't have the skills yet, you don't have a hobby, you, you don't have something that's interesting to a larger audience, then I'd focus on finding that first before you start a YouTube channel because it's going to be very hard to get traction, especially now with a lot more people going on to create YouTube videos. And if you look at like editing time, you know, I, I guess a lot of people might enjoy like filming and talking, but like the editing part that might get hard. Have you seen any difference between like a video that you spent a lot of time editing and that's really slick versus one that you, you know, did pretty quickly, no time, let's put it out there? Yeah. So that's a great question because I just recently hired an editor for like the last two and a half months. She's been doing like my newer videos. You can see it's a lot more subtitles and text and all those things on it. Interestingly enough, my older videos where I'm just like, I have like a PowerPoint on screen or I'm just talking into the camera. There's no editing at all other than just like some cuts between when I'm um and on. Those have the most views. Now that could be because they've been on YouTube for a while. It could be because of the keywords that I picked and like what I actually created the video around, but I've noticed at least so far, the videos that still have the most traction are my older videos with barely any editing. So yeah, 
I think we'll have to wait another year to see how these videos do. The ones that I've spent a lot of time editing, but so far I've seen like the really bare bones one do well. Yeah, I really, I suck at editing. So I recorded a buffer alternative video today. I tried to make it funny. At least somebody on our team tried to make the script pretty funny. It actually turned out very well, but like, I'm going to hire somebody on Opera probably is going to do the editing for me because I really suck at it. It's funny. I was just, yeah, wanted to know how you thought about that. It takes a long time, even for those bare bones videos, like where I'm just talking and I'm cutting like certain areas, it would take me like two hours to edit those. And it was maybe like, you know, 30 seconds of cutting a few pieces of film here and there. So it takes a long time, especially when you're editing yourself. So yeah, hire someone if you can. Do you know Noah Kagan? Yeah, I love his videos. I actually take a lot of inspiration for the editing side from his videos. And I've gotten a lot of value from the way that he talks about picking topics, broader topics, and creating videos off of hot topics that take off on your channel. So yeah, I've watched all of his videos around YouTube growth. I love his stuff. Definitely know him. That's funny. I don't know if it was his last podcast or any, one of those last, he was talking about his team and how much money he spends on like YouTube, which is like insane. You know, he's got AppSumo, which funds his YouTube empire, but he spends like 500k a year on editing and marketing and thumbnail, CTR optimization and stuff like that. It's really crazy. Yeah. it's. I look at YouTube like building your your own media company. That's That's what it is. It takes a lot of time, like more than any other platform you'll try to grow an audience on. And I've tried on many different platforms, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, now Twitter, but YouTube by far takes the most time. Uh, that being said, it's kind of like planting seeds, right? I have videos that are just starting to take off that I've planted the seed, you know, a year ago that I created this video way back. So like an example is I have a LinkedIn video, three ways to get clients on LinkedIn that just started taking off like a couple months ago. And that was from back in February of last year. So yeah, there's that search engine aspect behind YouTube. I think it's the second biggest search engine in the world and your videos can get viewed for years once you create one. Exactly. It's really a form of passive income. You just create an asset and you know that just keeps getting you uh, income over the years. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is that also one of the reasons you've created a YouTube channel because of the AdSense income or is it mostly like a funnel towards your other products? Uh, it's both. I mean, the passive income is nice. I think right now my channel does, I have 14,600 or so subs. I think it does on average around 700 or so a month in AdSense. I mean, it's not nothing. It's not life-changing, but it's a nice extra passive income stream. But that really wasn't the purpose. The main reason I started creating videos on YouTube was just having a place to share my work, build an audience. And I knew that Video is one of the best ways to to build an audience and connect with people. So I wanted to be on a platform where the barrier to entry is higher. So it's harder for people to come in and copy exactly what you do because of the filming, editing, planning videos, and actually creating those. So I wanted to build my audience and use that audience to promote different offerings that I have and also just to provide value and share what I'm working on. The passive income is a nice extra touch for that, though. Yeah. And so how are you funneling the subs or the views towards your email marketing or your courses or stuff like that? Yeah. So I'm probably not the best at this either, but a few different ways in the description, I have just links to different, like choose your own path type of thing. So if you want to start creating and selling info products, I have an ebook around that, that leads to one of my digital products. If you want to start an online service business or learn how to write emails that sell, I have products around those. If you just want to join a free group of other people who are interested in a spe specific topic, maybe around email or productizing yourself, 
I have links to my Facebook groups. I have two of them. So depending on what the person wants that's viewing and they go to my description, there's different options for them there. The other way is when someone joins my Facebook group, and this is getting a little technical, but when someone joins, there's a question in there that says, hey, would you like this free thing? And it's like a free guide. They put in their email address and I have an automation that automatically puts them onto my email list from there. So the funnel looks like I have a YouTube video. The person likes it. They go into my description. They join my Facebook group or they buy one of my products. That way they get put onto my email list and now they're in my world. Now I have other offers that I can sell them. I can build the relationship with them every day through my emails and continue to create more and more videos that get more and more people into my world and onto my email list. So it's a cycle, YouTube videos and Twitter into my Facebook groups or one of my products onto my email list and just repeat that cycle over and over again. That's interesting. It's, I guess, very low quality group on Facebook, where it's, it's just a follow for follow, but you know, we connected our name to it. We, it's a closed group. We're now at, I don't know, a little over 2000 group members, I guess, but I haven't implemented that opt-in, I guess. So I need to do that. Yeah. I use a tool called group funnels for that, for Facebook groups. Okay. Interesting. But it, it's native Facebook that you ask the question and then they click yes, and then you get their email or something. And then from Group funnels, you email them. So group funnels is the tool where when someone answers the question, when they're joining my Facebook group, it takes the question, it ports it automatically into, I use active campaign as my email sender. So it takes the person when they say, yes, I'd like this free thing. Group funnels takes them and puts them onto my email list. And from there, they're on my email list and I can send them daily emails, autoresponders, anything else from my list. And so you also mentioned that, you know, you did the LinkedIn lead gen agency and you, you know, when you do that, I guess you also have to know how to build an agency of an audience on LinkedIn. Can you run us through how you started on, on building an, an audience on LinkedIn? Yeah. So, I mean, everything starts with content, right? And in order to create content, you got to know what you're talking about and have some substance behind what you're sharing. So for me, it was just Twitter building in public. That's a huge thing there now, right? I didn't even know that term until two months ago. So that's basically what I was doing on LinkedIn. I was getting clients. I was building in public and sharing what was working on LinkedIn and what wasn't working. And the same thing with cold emails. And I think in 2018, later in the year, I created my first info product. It was called the Beast Mode Prospecting Guide. And it was how we use cold email and LinkedIn to generate leads and appointments. And I just asked people on LinkedIn. I had about 5,000 or 6,000 or so connections at the time. And I made a post. I said, who would be interested in some a guide like this that helps you get this result, get more appointments on LinkedIn and cold email. And I had like 300 or so people respond to that. So I created the guide. I let 50 people in for free. Then I started charging for it, 47, then 97, then eventually $197. That was actually my first info product. So that was back in 2018, end of 2018. And it all started with the LinkedIn post that helped us to get a bunch of new clients for our service and also helped me to grow my audience just posting content, sharing free guides and free resources and just yeah, building in public and sharing the journey. Cool. How did you like build that list and collect leads on uh, LinkedIn? So it was really um, manual. Uh, I just made that post. There was like 300 or so people that responded and they were very excited. So I just reached out to every person through DMs and said, hey, I created like a very simple opt-in form where it says, put your email. I'll send out an email when it's ready. And that was it. I just DM'd it to all those people. I said, here's the opt-in form. As soon as it's ready, you'll get an email from me. First 50 people will get it free. And then we'll charge a small fee for the next 50, 100, 200 people. 
So we had over 200 people opt into that list to get the guide when I was ready. And that's how we got it was just through manual DMs on anyone who commented on the post. Can you give a bit more insight on what was in the guide? What was so special that people wanted to pay 200 bucks for it? Yeah. So it was like an end-to-end system of how we actually run our service. So everything from creating the ideal client profile, like getting really clear on your niche and who you're targeting and how to find those people using Sales Navigator, how to create messages that get people interested in what you have to offer, and then how to actually start reaching out. We had a software tool that we were using at the time. So we talked about that and how to use it. And then also how you could train other people on your team. Maybe you have sales reps on your team, how you could train them to create their own messages and do the same thing on their accounts. And we also had some content in there around how to create inbound content where you're sharing content and you're getting people to come to you. So it was basically just sharing exactly what we're doing, our entire system, sharing that in the guide. And there were people who would read that and be like, well, I don't want to do this myself. So can we just hire you to do it instead? And that would lead to services clients, right? So it was this nice little funnel that was set up by accident, but ended up working out pretty well for us. That's interesting. That's also productizing your business is really interesting, you know, and you see that in a lot of different markets that people have an agency or people do something and then they make a course out of that. And then some people buy the course and others are even buy the course and then still think I'm going to hire you because I don't want to do the work. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had people that have bought everything from my, my lower end eBooks all the way up to like one-on-one consulting. And then after that even paid for our services. So some people will buy every single thing that you have there to offer, but yeah, it's a, it's a great way. Like the way that I did it back in 2018, I actually use that strategy a lot now is, is putting out lower ticket information products, building an audience or a customer list that way, and then having higher ticket or premium offers in the back end for people who want more help and more support. And so six months ago, you had this great idea to join Twitter. What light bulb went off? It wasn't actually six months ago. I joined Twitter in October 2020, if I'm looking at my account here. Yep. And the reason I joined was just to keep up with the election mayhem, just to just to be entertained. So I was watching the election stuff. I didn't end up posting until end of January or February. So the reason I actually started posting and growing my audience there with intention was I found a program called just randomly from Jack Butcher, his build one, sell twice. And he was talking about how he grew this massive audience on Twitter uh, that led to a million dollar plus 98% profit business all from Twitter. And I was like, well, shit, maybe I should jump on the platform and actually start building an audience there. So I jumped on the platform. And then as soon as I jumped on, I saw this post that said, learn to write every day, get in the habit of writing every day, which is a program called ship 30 for 30. I think, I think I saw you in that as well. So I was like, okay, so let's join this. Let's see what's going on. So I joined the program, start writing every day. This is February 15th. I kicked off. So a couple months ago. And in one month, I went from zero to 500 followers and I had people like sending me DMs. I had consulting gigs coming through just 500 followers and one-on-one coaching deals. And another one month went by, I grew it again by another seven, 800 followers. And I had this, there's a pretty big opportunity that fell into my lap through Twitter DMs with a pretty well-known company. I might talk more about that later. And it all came through through Twitter. So as, as these opportunities were coming in, my followers were growing. I'm like, well, this is awesome. I've never had this type of quick feedback on a platform before. So it happened by accident. I just saw Jack's course, took it, saw how he built his audience, decided to try it out, bought a course, started writing. And that writing every day led to these opportunities coming my way and now gave me more motivation to continue making this like my primary social media focus alongside YouTube. 
Yeah, so you pay $200 for a course where you have to write every day and then that actually gets you, you know, clients and consulting and brings in revenue. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't expect that either. I just, I wanted something that was going to keep me accountable to actually write because I saw Jack's profile and he had like 50,000 or something tweets and I was like, holy, how am I supposed to do that? So I wanted something to keep me accountable. And that's the main reason I did it. It wasn't to like get clients or anything. That just was like a byproduct of posting and sharing my thoughts on Twitter. So yeah, it all started with that. And here we are. It's my favorite platform right now, by far, more than YouTube. And it's alongside YouTube with importance to my business and my audience. What do you think was the reason that these like opportunities landed in your lap? Was it because of your writing or was it you know a combination of people already knowing you from YouTube or something else? Yeah. So most of the people that ended up like hiring me for consulting or coaching, and I've gotten a lot of people onto my email list who have gone on to buy my info products. Most of these people didn't even know I existed on YouTube. So I was opening up like an entirely different, I would say that maybe like a hundred people in my Twitter following now out of 1300 plus are from YouTube. Everyone else found me just through Twitter and then went back and watched my YouTube videos. So I think that having something outside of Twitter is what made me interesting inside of Twitter and helped me build this audience. I think a lot of people try to just go straight for Twitter. They don't know what to share. They think it's about writing these really tricky tweets. I don't think I'm the best Twitter writer at all. I'm just sharing my thoughts. Sometimes they're you know, very <laughs> to the point. Sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes it's some value from what I'm doing in my daily life. So I think having something outside of Twitter is important if you want to be someone interesting on the platform. Um, that's what really helped me to come up with these ideas and share things that people actually want to hear. Yeah, I think that is very, very important. A lot of people just start on Twitter and think they can grow with platitudes and stuff like that. But you really need to have a life besides Twitter because otherwise, you know, it's it just a dime it doesn't. Nobody cares. Yeah, some people can do it. There's a Twitter profile. What was his name? Wise Connector. Oh, he was on your show. He posts a lot of those one-liners and those platitudes. Nothing else other than that. And he has like 90 or 100,000 people following him. So some people can do it. I would say like 95 to 98% can't do it though. When you get bigger, then you can post platitudes and one-liners. But in the beginning, it's I think you need to bring something to the table. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He he started out also, I think, with, with a lot of platitudes, but his were better platitudes than others, I think. And one of the cool tactics he had was, I don't know, he might have been at 30,000 followers. And then he started retweeting people with a couple of thousand followers. And then they were like, hey, this is nice. And they'd start retweeting him. And then in the end, you know, he let go of retweeting them, but they still kept retweeting him. And so that created a nice yeah, avalanche of retweets for him. It was an interesting tactic. I think the downside of Twitter is the bigger your account, the worse quality tweets you can have to, and still, you know, get a lot of engagement. That's, I think, a, a pity. That's a good point. Yep. Um, like, Elon Musk can just put out like a little two word sentence and people go crazy over it. 100,000, 200,000 likes, right? So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Oh, well. It's still, you know, there are different tactics of growing on Twitter. You know, you can have like really good tweets, like grammatically correct, like in three words, say what every other person would say in 20 words. You know, that's, that's I think, a good way to, to grow. And other ways are, I think, what you're doing, other people are doing, is just sharing their life, sharing things they're working on, building public. And I think, you know, you can attract a lot of interesting people by doing it that way. Mm -hmm. Another thing that really helped me was 
And I learned this from David Perel. I think he, yeah, it was his course on, he has a course on Twitter and he was talking about tweet storms. And this was like the first course that I took on Twitter a couple months ago. And he was talking about how to make it a part of your, your habits, like your tweeting schedule. So I was like, okay, well, every Tuesday I will do some kind of tweet storm or a thread. So I've been doing that. Two threads that I have have led to over half of my followers. And I'm continuing with that habit. One tweet or one yeah, tweet storm or thread every Tuesday. And that really helps to add these little spikes and follower counts every every Tuesday, at least once per week. It also helps to show your expertise or if you're sharing a story, people love the stories as well. So having a thread and being able to write like one longer form piece every week really does help with the follower growth. At least it did for my account. Yeah, good one. I've also seen a couple of tweet storms that did really, really well. Run us through your tweet storm that did well. So one was, the top one was I spent $716 on seven Twitter growth courses. And here's like the seven different lessons that I learned. Another one was how to get your first 1,000 Twitter followers in 42 days or 46 days. Yeah, that was the second highest one. <laughs> See, this is it's funny because my highest performing Twitter threads are about how to grow on Twitter, which is pretty meta. Um, <laughs> So the third one is seven habits of highly successful Twitter writers. So the top three are all about writing on Twitter. The funny thing about these are they're not even about me. One of them is, but the other two is, are like case studies on what I found observing other people who are successful on Twitter. Yeah. So I guess that's a good point. Like making like a case study style thread or a tweet storm where you're not, you don't have to have like all the expertise yourself, but if you spend time documenting and observing people and putting that into an easy to follow format where someone can pull lessons out of that and apply it uh, instantly, that's going to take off as well. At least, at least that's what I've seen so far. Yeah. And you tagged, I think, uh, a couple of people in every thread. Did they retweet that? What happened? Yeah. So JK Molina, you had him on your show. He retweets a lot of my stuff and we talk sometimes through DMs. Awesome guy. I've learned a lot from him. I have his course as well and he retweets my stuff sometimes. So I've had a lot of help from him. There's another guy named War on Weakness, Eddie. He helps with retweeting a lot of my stuff. I think he has close to 30,000 followers. So yeah, not everyone retweets my stuff that I tag there with big accounts, but a lot of the people in like the 20 to 30K range, if they if I tag them and they actually get value out of it, or if I'm featuring them in it, a lot of them will actually retweet it or they'll engage with it. They'll comment, they'll like it, and then their audience from there will be exposed to it. So not everyone retweets, but a lot of the people that I tag there will engage in some way, either a like or a comment. Yeah, it's interesting. And also, I think a very underrated tactic is what you're doing is buying people's courses and then DMing them. Probably told JK, wow, you made a great course. Thank you. What happened? Absolutely. I have a scheduled tweet in Hype Theory exactly about this. If you buy courses and you want to get exposure, get some result with it, You know, make the course owner look good and reach out to them and say, hey, I got this cool result here. Like in JK's case, I made a, a thread that got like over 400 likes. And I was like, dude, look what I did here. I learned a lot from your course. And he was like, you know, F yeah, retweeted it, really pumped up. He said he added it to his testimonial folder. Now we chat sometimes. So yeah, a great way. If you're already buying products, make sure that you implement and get action first of all, then share your result with the course owner. And even more so, if you want to take it a step further, you can post about it on your public timeline and tag them and just say, hey, this is what I got from taking this person's course. These are the results and tag them. A lot of them will be happy to retweet that. Another guy's art of purpose, I think is create 24 seven. Yeah, I've, I taken, I took his course. I talked about it and he retweeted my comment, got 50 or so followers from that. So yeah, that's a great tactic. 
for growing your audience and then also sharing your results with the people who you buy products from. Interesting. And can you share how you uh, got into contact with Warren Wickness? Yeah, I actually don't remember. I think that he saw me posting on Twitter and he reached out to me and he's like, yo, I just started watching your YouTube videos coincidentally. And now I just, I see you on Twitter here. So he was saying that he got a lot of value out of my videos. He gave me some tips on how to grow on Twitter, some very useful tips. I started taking action on that, sharing my results with him. And from there, we just started chatting. He started sharing my stuff whenever it was relevant. And he started asking me some questions about email marketing and info products. And I would share what I knew there. So it's an exchange of knowledge. And it started with, I think he just started watching my YouTube videos. And as soon as he saw me on the platform, he just ended up reaching out and said, hi. From there, we just, yeah, we started chatting cool. every now and then. So for people who are new to Twitter, who might have a YouTube channel just like you, what would you advise them to do? So I might be biased because I went through this. I would recommend signing up for Ship 30 for 30. I think it was a great way to get in the habit of specifically posting on Twitter because that's what they focus on. So if someone were to ask me, like I have an audience here on YouTube or even like Facebook or somewhere else, and I want to get onto Twitter, that's the first thing I'd recommend them doing is to, they need to get into the habit of writing and sharing their ideas. Ship 30 really helps with that. So that would be the main thing that I recommend doing first. And from there, I share a lot of like more tactical things like optimizing your profile and having a consistent schedule, all that in some of my threads, there's going to be a master thread link at the top of my profile later on or all around how to grow on Twitter. So starting off with building that habit with the program like Ship30 and then having a consistent schedule around what to do on a daily basis. And of course, using a tool like Hype Fury to schedule it out and not have to worry about waking up every day and rushing to pump out all these tweets. So yeah, Hype Fury has been a lifesaver for me. Like I will schedule tweets out. I think I have like a week and a half in advance right now. It's not always that far in advance, but there's sometimes like three days where I don't really log on or if I do it's for a couple of minutes because I just don't have the time. So if you're someone else who's really busy on other platforms, I think a tool like that really helps. So Ship30, having a consistent schedule around what you're going to, the different themes that you post every day and how many times and the frequency. And then also using a scheduling tool like Hype Theory to save you time and save the headache of having to wake up and rush to post tweets every day. And how do you come up with new content? I'm doing new things, doing cool things, right? So going out and it could be just hanging out with friends, you know, having a beer, going out and golfing, going on trips, traveling. It could be learning a new skill and trying something out, trying something in your business. If you are an entrepreneur, creating content around other platforms and just sharing your lessons and wins and tips and tricks and insights there. And then also I like to mix in some posts that ruffle feathers sometimes, right? Some controversial things here and there that really helps to ratchet up engagement. And it also helps to get people commenting and paying attention to my tweets, right? Helps me to separate the people that actually want to follow me for my content and the other people who really don't want to be there. So yeah, I talk about this in some of my threads, but always having new experiences. And also when you're having the downtime after you're done working, making sure that you're continuing to learn, you know, watch videos, listen to podcasts like yours. And that always gives you new ideas for content and things that you can share on Twitter, right? So it's always like this constant feedback loop of learning and consuming new things and then sharing the condensed lessons from that on Twitter. Yeah, interesting. And do you reuse stuff you've used on YouTube? Yeah, absolutely. So if there's certain concepts or topics that did well there, I'll test it out. I won't always turn it into like a big beast of a thread or like a ton of different tweets. I'll try a few different things here and there to see how it hits. If it does well, I'll go deeper into it. 
If it doesn't, I'll try something else out. But yeah, a lot of my content on Twitter is recycled in some form, either from my email list or my Facebook groups or my YouTube channel. And it's just put into a more bite-sized form on Twitter. Now, if something takes off, like if I have like a one or two liner that does well, I'll create a thread around it, right? So I use like the one, two, three liner tweets to figure out what topics are resonating. And now that I have like a a growing audience of at least a thousand plus people, I can tell based on the engagement, what's really going to work and what's not. And then I use that to create more deeper, long form tweets. Cool. And once you maybe have even more followers, are you also planning on like funneling people back to your YouTube channel? So I've already started doing this a little bit. Like I'll repost some videos to Twitter because now it'll play like directly in the feed. I haven't thought this through yet. Right now, I'm just really excited about the growth specifically on Twitter. I haven't really been funneling people anywhere other than just having a link to my my personal website where they can join my email list in my bio. That's about it. And I post my YouTube videos once or twice a week whenever I have a new one on the timeline. As far as like what that looks like when I have more followers, I'm not quite sure yet. It could just be keeping it how it is. It could just be another idea I've been playing with is making more bite-sized videos like TikTok style videos and posting it directly into Twitter and seeing how that performs if the engagement and views and impressions are higher. So yeah, I'm not really sure how all these are going to be connected yet. Like I like it the way it is now, just using Twitter as a platform to generate awareness and get people to know who I am and what I do. And then having a link for people who do want to go deeper to my email list. And then also that reminds me, I should actually put a link to my YouTube channel somewhere in there as well. And uh, you spoke a little bit about, you know, that you created some courses. What are your plans on that? And you also mentioned that, you know, some high profile thing happened, what you might want to talk about right now. Yeah. So I can't talk about that yet because it's not finalized. It kind of does go hand in hand with like the courses and all that. It's an online education company in the tech space and they're looking for someone to come in and help them build out a course business under their existing business. So I'm in talks with them about that. If not, if something doesn't work out there, I'd probably consider or not consider I'd continue building out digital products and courses under my own brand. So my main areas of expertise and passion are are around a lot of it is around email marketing and copywriting and sales funnels. So a lot of my products will be based on that. And yeah, I've been thinking about some kind of Gumroad product to put out there. I haven't thought that through yet, but that could be good for Twitter. On the higher end, I have the cohort-based course model and coaching programs on the back end of people who join my list from buying an ebook or just joining uh, based off of that free link I have. So yeah, it could either be with that company or it could be under my own brand. I get bored pretty easily, so I'm always creating like new products. So whether it's with that company or under my own brand, yeah, I'm going to have, I'm always putting out like a new product out every quarter or so. Interesting. And run us through a little bit how your email list works. You know, you got the free newsletter and and what kind of branches do you have to different kinds of products? Yeah, it's simple. I have, if someone joins my email list through a Facebook group, there's like a short sequence that tries to get them to buy an ebook. So if they join my email marketing group, I have like a, an email challenge and an email related ebook that I promote to them. If they join my productized profits group, I have an ebook around creating digital products. After they go through that sequence, if they don't buy, they get put into my daily email list, which is just my main list. And I email my lists usually around five or six times a week. I take a break on like Sundays, unless I have something very interesting to say. But yeah, it's usually around five to six times a week. And at the end of every email, It's another one of those choose your own journey type of things where it's, hey, if you want more free content, 
Here's my Facebook group or my YouTube channel. If you are trying to learn how to write an email that sells, here's a product around that. If you are looking for coaching or consulting, here's a link around that. So every day I'm sending out you know, this daily email. I have daily contact with my list. And based on where they're at in their journey, they can kind of choose their own journey, whatever their interests are. Interesting. Now, how do you come up with like five to six emails per week? So again, it comes down to just doing things in real life, right? I will turn just like stories that happen. It doesn't always have to be business related. Like if I'm with my fiance and we go out to dinner and something funny happens or cool happens, I'll share that. If, if I have something where I'm with a friend or I'm having a beer and something happens, I'll share that in the email and tie it back to what I do in my business. So I've been doing this daily email thing for about a year and a half now. You get better at it over time, but it's just a, it's a way of mixing what you're doing in your everyday life to what you're doing in your professional life. And then you're sharing that with your list. So all of my emails, there's some kind of mix of either something to do my, with my business specifically, or something to do with my personal life and a story there. And I tie that into, if I'm selling a product at the time, I'll find a way to tie that to the product. Interesting. So it's partly, you know, get to know Sean. I maybe not literally, I went to dinner with my fiance, but maybe that's the hook to, hey, how to improve the restaurant business. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So we went to a butcher about six months ago and he was like a really good salesperson. He upsold us onto all these different meats, these more expensive meats, you know, like the different cuts of meat. So I talked about that. I related that back to copywriting and sales, right? Here's how this sale, this butcher upsold me into this prime piece of meat. And now we're going to be, you know, repeat customers, or now we're spending more higher average customer value, right? So we're tying it back, this little story that happened in real life with this butcher, we're tying it back to maybe a copywriting product I have or an email marketing product I have, right? So yeah, it's finding a way to balance like daily stories with whatever you're promoting and whatever you're doing with your business. Yeah. Interesting. I think it was Ali Abdal. He's also pretty big on YouTube. You probably know him. He said, you know, think like a producer. And I think that's a really important thing. You know, everybody is a consumer, you know, what can I buy? What do I need? What do I want? But thinking of, you know, putting your producer hat on and just constantly thinking of what can I teach my audience? What's interesting to share? That is, if you're good at that, you know, you can really create something big. Absolutely. And it's, it doesn't always have to be teaching, right? Like it could just be a lot of people. And I don't know if you know who Ben Settle is. He's like one of the best email copywriters, email marketers in the world. He calls it infotainment, mixing information with entertainment. So not everything has to be just like how to or tips, which is what a lot of people default to, right? It's how to tips and tricks. A lot of people just want to be entertained. So if you can share stories from your life that are entertaining or that are funny or something cool happens, it doesn't always need to be teaching. It could just be sharing a piece of you. And that is actually how you build more loyal fans is because that's what makes you stick out, right? Are these stories that you share from your personal life? So yeah, it doesn't always have to be educational, although it's good to mix that in, but entertainment's a huge piece of that too. Have you had any issues, quote unquote, with like the imposter syndrome? Oh yeah, all the time. I think that consistently publishing content helps a little with that, but you're always going to feel that because I'm always trying to learn new things, right? And as I'm learning something new, you always feel like an imposter. So I, that's why I really like the build in public movement because it gives you an excuse to just say, F it, I'm going to start building and just share what's happening and not worry so much about not being at the top of my game. A lot of people think they have to be like the number one expert to start talking about something, which is where I was not too long ago. That's why I shut down my YouTube channel the first time was I didn't want to talk about e-commerce anymore. And I wasn't the number one person, so I didn't want to keep doing that. So 
people think you have to be the number one person, but I think this build in public, like documenting and sharing your journey gives you an excuse to just start publishing and get out of that. It's like, I can't publish it because I'm not the best in the world at it yet. And just put that to the side and start sharing what you're doing on a day by week by month basis. Yeah. I think like the building public uh, hashtag that gives you like a public beta mark or something like, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. If I use that, it's not literally an excuse, but at least it helps me to, you know, push stuff out there, test stuff and don't be afraid of, you know, what kind of stuff there they're going to stick at you. Yeah. hundred percent. It's funny because a lot of the things that you don't think will do well as you're like building in public and sharing like are the ones that take off. I made a tweet about this the other day. Like there's tweets where I'll sit down and think about it for like 30 minutes to an hour. And I'm like a hundred percent sure it's going to do well. And it bombs. And then there's something that I whip up in like two seconds that does well. It's nothing more than like an observation of something that's happening and it just takes off. So it's funny how it works on Twitter. It's happened dozens of times to me now. So just getting into the mindset now, just publish your work, publish what you're thinking and don't be afraid to just share each step and you'll be pleasantly surprised a lot of the time. Cool, man. Sean, this was a lot of fun. Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. My handle is Sean Anthony Says. If you want to check out my personal site and jump on my email list and get annoyed by me there, it's seananthony.co. On my YouTube channel as well, just go to type in Sean Anthony. I'll probably show up there somewhere with a green background picture. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Thanks. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter, sharing your favorite part of this episode. See you again next week. Thank you.